Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. Just pray. Lord, we do just thank you, Lord God, that the Comforter has come. We do just thank you for Calvary tonight. We do just thank you, Lord God, for the power that's in your blood, Lord God, to set men and women and young boys and young girls free. Lord God, we do just come tonight thanking you, Lord God, that you are just one of our number tonight. Lord God, we do just pray, Lord God, that you would continue, Lord God, to move from seat to seat tonight. We pray that you would deliver. We pray that you would set free. We pray that you would restore tonight. We pray that you'd touch every life afresh. I pray, Lord God, for your help. I pray that you'd touch these stammering lips tonight. I pray, Lord Lord God, that your word would go forth with great liberty and great power tonight, Lord God, not because of me, but Lord God, that you would get all the glory tonight because you deserve it, Lord God. We come tonight, O oh God, thanking you for everything, praying, Lord God, for this meeting in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Judges chapter 16 <clears throat> and verse 16 says, And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him, so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and told her, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. The Bible says she pressed him daily until he told her, his heart and the Philistine man came and he shaved his head and his strength went from him. Friends, I do believe the Lord is leading this meeting tonight. I do believe, friends, the Lord wants to speak tonight. I want to speak to our young people tonight. I want to speak to those young men that were just away for a few days. I want to speak to those that need a second chance. I want to speak to the church, for we know that in the life of Samson, there's many lessons to be learnt for the church. And this is the word, friends, that the Lord gave me. Friends, when I heard that these young men were about to go away, I won't tell you the circumstances that involved it. Well, it did involve my wife having to tell me off at one stage, you know. But, friends, I want to tell you the Lord, within an instant, as I started to pray about this thing, the Lord gave me a message within the space of about 15 minutes, friends. Friends, God wants to speak tonight, wants to speak to the young people here tonight, wants to speak to those that were away, wants to speak to the older because we know there's so many life lessons in the story of Samson for the church. I want to speak on the subject tonight for a little while. Where is the source of your strength? How many feel the strength? And the power of the Holy Ghost tonight. How many feel its power and its anointing? I just want to speak to a little while tonight about its source. If there was ever a story that got my attention as a young boy, it was the story of the great and the mighty Samson. It was the movie on TV that you would rush home, friends, to jump in front of the fire to watch, friends. It was the story in Sunday school that everybody sat to full attention. There was something exciting about the life 
of Samson. You heard about his supernatural birth. You heard about his vows. You heard about his love and his commitment that he had for God, that he was to be a Nazarite from his birth, that he was to be separated unto God, that he was to drink no wine or strong drink. He was to touch nothing that was dead, and there was no razor to come upon his head. And because of all this, because of this commitment that was placed upon him when he was born, it tells us in Judges chapter 14 that he would be the great and mighty deliverer of all of Israel. Friends, Samson was born with a call and a purpose on his life. Friends, there's something exciting about the life of Samson. But what intrigued me most and stood out to me most as a young boy is when the Sunday school teacher began to tell me how strong Samson really was. When you began to hear what Samson was able to do because of his great ability and strength that he had, it tells us one day, dear friends, that he would kill a lion with his bare hands. They would tell us that very enemies of God would tremble at his presence. It tells us one day he slew a thousand of God's enemies, the Philistines, with the simple jawbone of an ass or a donkey. And on one occasion he took the gates of the city wall, posts and all, friends, and he ran off with them up a hill and he left them where he wanted to, friends. I don't believe there's any man, friends. These gates were said to have weighed over a thousand kilos. And I don't believe there's any young man or any old man in here that can lift a thousand kilos tonight. You see, Samson had an amazing strength. Nothing was a match for Samson when he had the anointing of God upon his life. But I don't believe, friends, when you looked at Samson, that Samson actually looked like he had all the strength that he had. You see, I don't believe, friends, that Samson looked like the Incredible Hulk. I don't believe, friends, that when you looked at Samson, he looked like someone who was about to come out of his shirt. I don't see Samson as someone who stood taller than everybody else and walked around in tight t-shirts and his muscles hanging out, friends. I don't believe that's the way that Samson looked at all. But I do believe that Samson looked exactly like everyone else did, friends. I believe that Samson looked as ordinary and as average, if I can use that word tonight, he looked as average as everybody else. And the reason is Samson had a strength that didn't come from his muscles tonight, didn't come from how many repetitions he'd done in the gym. Samson's strength, friends, came, friends, from the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Samson's strength was on the inside. Samson had a power that was right on the inside of his very being. Come to talk to you tonight for a little while about the source of his strength. Come to tell some young person tonight Come to tell some older person tonight, doesn't matter how average your life looks, doesn't matter how ordinary your life might be, you can have a strength on the inside of you. You can have a power that's on the inside that will set you apart and aside from everybody else. You see, you can have something that will set you apart from everybody else in your job. You can have something that will set you apart from everybody else in your high school tonight. You think you can have something that will set you apart 
apart from everybody else in your housing estate. You'll see if you've got the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. You've got real strength tonight. Not the strength of this world. Not the strength, friends, of all the big wrestlers and whatever it is. And all the mega muscles of this life, friends. Not the Arnie Schwarzenegger's, friends. But you've got real God-given strength in your life tonight. Young men, listen to me tonight. The ladies aren't interested and how tight your shirt is tonight. Your friends, they're not interested in how, Lord, friends, how big your muscles are. The only thing they're interested in if they're a real Christian lady tonight, friends, because that's what you want here, young men. You want a real Christian lady. The only thing they're interested in tonight is the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost that's in your life. You see, Delilah said, Samson, where is the source of your strength? Because of the power and the anointing of God, Samson lived an extraordinary life. It was an awesome story. When we begin to dig into the early life of Samson, we find that Samson's mother wanted a baby. She wanted it real bad. Before Samson was born, she told the Lord, if you would give me a child, if you would give me a man child, I'm going to make a commitment to you and this boy. He will know what it is to have commitment in his life. She was going to commit this little child unto the Lord. She says, I'm going to raise him to understand the power of that commitment. And so she committed Samson before he was even born. She committed him to the vow of a Nazarite that he couldn't drink any strong drink, that he couldn't touch the meat of a dead animal, that he couldn't let his hair grow all of his life. And so Samson is born. And I'm sure mother sort of starts to see to that commitment. I'm sure she sort of makes sure that Samson follows after the things that he's supposed to follow after. When Samson's got to get up, I'm sure she sorted that out when Samson's, what Samson's got to wear, when and where he's to go to school. She probably made sure that he had all the right friends. Then he's in and that he's washed for all the meetings and times. She made sure that Samson was keeping this commitment that she had made to God. You see, she's made a commitment unto God. And she sort of makes sure that Samson does all the things that he's supposed to do. But at this stage... It's no big deal for Samson. He's only four. He's only five years old. She feeds him. She washes him. She loves him. And that's all what Samson needs or all that Samson wants, friends. He's not really making any of the choices in his life anyway. He's just doing as mother tells him to do. We move along. Then Samson's nine. He's ten. He's eleven. Happy enough to catch frogs and look at the birds in the backyard. Happy enough to play with trucks because there's no TV on a Sunday. It doesn't really matter to Samson at this time. But one day, do you know what? Samson comes of age. Samson starts to get to the age of some of our young people in this meeting tonight. You know, the age where I can make decisions for myself. Because did you know, mothers, that Samson's not an idiot Samson can think for himself. Samson can make up his own mind. Samson can make decisions for himself. But Samson, but Samson's mother says she's there all the while telling him, Samson, there's something that you've got to remember. Samson, you don't understand. There's something special about you. She's there all the while and she's saying, Samson, you don't understand that you're set apart from everybody else. Things like, Samson, I know you look like everybody else, but you're not like everybody else, Samson. Samson, I know you live around other people, but Samson, you're not like the people that you live around. There is something special 
about Samson's life. There's something special about you, Samson. And you've got to remember this fact. I would imagine Samson, he's heard these things oh so many times in his life. He's heard it so many times before. I imagine that he's somewhat grown tired of what he's hearing. I would imagine that every time that Samson, he heard his mother say, Now, Samson... I know you're getting ready for school, but Samson, I know it's a big day for you, but Samson, you got to remember this. And Samson would have knew what's coming. Samson would have been saying in his mind, uh, I know that I'm separate, mother. I know that I'm different. I know that I'm special. I know that there's some things I can't do. I know that there's some places I can't go. And Samson would have said, I've heard it all before. I know I'm, I know who I am, mother. I know who I am. Thank you very much. Has anybody ever heard that before? Has any of the young people ever heard that you're special? That there's a calling upon your life? That there's a purpose for your life? That you're, you're not meant to do the things that other people do? Samson heard this all his life. Mother, I know that I'm something special. I know that we go to church. We go to a church like nobody else goes to. I know that we've got to be careful how I act. Mother, I know who I am. But mother and father, we're only trying to build a foundation in Samson's life. They were only trying to give him something that he could stake his life upon. Mother and father were trying to establish a principle in Samson that would never be compromised, that would never be given up, that would be never thrown away in his life. Samson's old enough now to choose for himself. Samson's old enough to make his own decisions. Now it's not so much about how mother wants me to live the commitment. Now it's really how much I want to live the commitment. You know there's people in this room, you're old enough to choose for yourself whether or not you want to live for God. There's young people in this room and you're old enough to decide the right thing. You're old enough to decide whether you're going to live for God or not. You're old enough to make the choice whether you're going to involve yourself with God or you're going to involve yourself with the things of the world. Whether or not you're going to give yourself to the things of sin. But friends, we have to be careful of the choices that we make. For the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. Samson's old enough to choose for himself. But thank God there's still some young people in this house tonight and they've made up their mind that they want to live for God. Thank God there's still some young people in this house and they've made up their mind. I want to live for Jesus like Saskia and young Joshua. And I heard about young Reuben Woods asked Jesus into his heart last week, friends. Young Anna Sloss. Thank God there's young people have decided that they want to walk and they want to follow after Jesus. Friends, don't be embarrassed. It's not an awful thing to stand for Jesus in this day. Is there any young people that have made up their mind that you really want to live for God? Has anybody decided that you want to follow after Jesus? How many young people in here tonight and your parents make you come to church? How many people in here, their wives or their husbands some weeks, have to make them come to church? But friends, some of us have had the choice that we can come to church tonight. Some of you young men had the choice to go to camp this week or stay at home and watch YouTube. But Samson was old enough to make the choice for himself. And friends, he did it great for a while. He made the right choice. He lived the vow. 
He did what was committed for him to do. But now it was not just mother's commitment. It was his commitment. I'm going to tell you young people, older people, this is when you really start to have an experience for God. When you really decide that I'm going to go all the way for Jesus. When you really decide it's my decision. I'm going to go all the way for God. When it becomes more than just mom or dad's decision to go to church. When it becomes more than what grandma and uncle and auntie want, friends. That's whenever, friends, you're going to have to make up your mind. I want to have a real relationship with God. I want to walk with you. I want to follow after you. When it becomes that your decision, that's whenever you're going to begin, friends, to go into some of the great blessings of your life when you're going to experience some of the greatest things for God friends whenever you decide I'm going to go all the way with God the Bible says they that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits tonight friends God has a plan and a purpose for your life Judges 14 tells us that that the one of these choices that Samson made was that he went down to Timnah Samson was leaving the call of God and blowing on a downward path. It was here, friends, he was going. He was leaving what God had called him to do. This is where it started for Samson, friends. It didn't start in the lap of Delilah. It started with the lion that he met along the way. It was here that he encountered the lion. It was here that he slew him like a baby kid or a baby goat. Nothing wrong with him killing the lion. But Samson forgot after the greatest victory in his life that it would come the greatest temptations along with it, friends. He took that lion and it says he went along the way friends and he found it to be full of honey and a swarm of bees friends this is where the greatest temptation comes friends when we've had our greatest victory we shout I've won friends we go and sit in our corner we lift our hands we put them down again and then the devil comes right up and he's tempting us all over again he comes right up and he begins to tempt no are so dangerous in our lives than that after our greatest victory. It says sometime later Samson came by the same way where he had killed the lion. He touched that which was dead, composing, decomposing and unclean. He took the defiled honey from the lion. He wasn't to touch the honey, friends. He wasn't to touch that dead thing. Friends, the Bible tells us there's pleasure in sin, but it only lasts for a season. But God's honey, it never bites. God's honey, it never defiles. His honey never traps. With God's honey, there is no sting and there is no guile. And if you've decided to follow after God tonight, one of you, friends, you've decided to go all the way with Jesus. If you're one of those that have started secondary school, maybe, or tech this week, friends, I want to tell you, you're about to face the greatest temptation. You're about to face the greatest struggle you're about to face the greatest pressure to give in and you're not allowed to follow after God you need to watch friends for the devil's honey that's where we find Samson we find Samson in this setting of scripture that I've just read that we read Samson is battling Samson is struggling within himself this woman Delilah She's coming to his life and this woman Delilah wants to understand something. She wants to understand, Samson, where does the source of your strength come from? The one question she had was not, Samson, what are you able to do? Samson, what weight can you carry? How many men can you slay in battle? 
How many, how much can you handle? What interested the light of the most friends was where does the source of your strength come from? I want to know the source of your power. Samson, I want to know the reason why you're able to do what you can do. Can I tell you that the devil knows? That's what the devil wants to know today. He wants to know how the Christian can do what they can do. He wants to know how you can go about and do what you're doing today. He wants to know where you get your strength from. He wants to know where you're getting the power from. He wants to know how you can withstand all the temptations. He wants to know how you can skirt and you can dodge all the pitfalls of this life. He wants to know how you're still standing despite all the trials. He wants to know despite the sickness how you keep going. He wants to know how on earth the kids are staying away from drugs. He wants to know how on earth they're staying away from all the pressures in the school. How are they surviving? Delilah's saying, I've got to get to the source of your strength. I've got to find where this begins in you. Because she knows if she can get the source, then she can have you. If I can find where the source of your strength comes from, if I can find the source of your power, then I can wreck you. The Bible says that Delilah, she urged him daily. She pressed him daily. She said, Samson, where is your strength? What is the source of your power? What is the source of your ability? You know, it's interesting because the Bible says that Samson, the Bible says, he said, if you get these green widths that have never been dried, does anybody know what a green width is? It's okay, either do I. It's okay, but he said, if you get these green widths and you bind me up and you put them in my hair or whatever it is you want to do with them, he said, if you get those, then you'll find the source of my strength and I'll be as weak as every other man. So Delilah goes out and she gets the widths and she comes and she came and did what Samson told her to do and he jumped up and he broke the ropes as if they were wool and slew the men that were all around him. You see, because there was something Samson knew about his ability in the Holy Ghost. Samson knew he could not be held by the forms or any form of cord that this world can produce. He knew he couldn't be bound with cords that had never been dried. Samson knew that he couldn't be bound by any multitude of new devices. Samson knew, friends, the new battles and the new strategies that the devil come up with, friends. He knew with the power of the Holy Ghost, the new tactics, the new struggles, the new things that we heard, the new tactics that we heard about this morning. Samson knew his position in God and he knew, friends, she could bind them all day long and he would just break them off like he did before and he'd go out and he'd slay every enemy for God once again. He likes, the devil likes to get the church to think that he's got the monopoly and the authority on it all. That there's some new battle coming your way. That this next struggle is going to get you. But Samson knew with the anointing of God there's nothing that could be brought before him that Christ hadn't gone through and defeated already. Delilah comes back to him and she says, Samson, you lied to me. Tell me this time, where is the source of your strength? And he said, if you go and get ropes that have never been used on anything else, and you bind me with these ropes, then I will be as weak as any other man. So Delilah went out and she got the ropes. She bound him. But Samson knew he couldn't be bound by the greatest proven strengths of this world. 
He knew he couldn't be bound by the things that have never been tried. The new schemes, the new methods, those things that have the ability to hold gates and pull ships. He knew, friends, the new ropes couldn't bind him. But Samson knew who he was in God. Samson knew there's nothing in this world that can stop what God wants to do through your life. You see, friends, she's after, the old devil's after the source of your strength. God knows you, or the devil knows your strength and your ability in the Holy Ghost. He knows what great feats you can do for God, and he's after the source of your strength. Samson, she bound him with new ropes, but Samson was still strong and was still powerful. And she said, Samson, hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with a web, and she fastened it with a pen, and she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awakened out of his sleep and went away with the pen of the beam and with the web. Samson said, If you braid the seven locks of my hair. That talks about, I don't have time to go into it tonight, but that talks about the battles of the mind. But Samson was victorious over the battles of the mind. You see, Samson is getting closer and closer each time. The mistake that Samson made was not that he said, Breathe the seven locks of my head. The mistake started when Samson thought he could play with the enemy and get away with it. That's when Samson's demise began. When he thought he could ride the fence. When he thought he could play with both worlds. When he thought he could go to church and shout and dance on a Sunday. But on Monday he could mess and curse like a fool with his friends and the enemies of God. Can I tell you something? If you're going to live for God tonight, friends, you better make it seven days a week or you'll never defeat the enemy in your life. You better make up your mind, I'm going to choose to follow the Lord. You better make up your mind, I'm going today, I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going all the way with Jesus. You see, what I think that happened to Samson is Samson had become a little intoxicated with his own ability. He'd become a little intoxicated with his own power and his own strength. You see, sometimes we pray, don't we? We think, oh, well, there I got a wee touch from the Lord. Aren't I great? And aren't I anointed? And I can just go out after five minutes and I can play with the things of this world. I can turn on the muck on the TV, friends. I can look at the muck in the papers, friends. But, friends, a wee five-minute touch from God isn't going to keep you against the wiles and the tactics of the enemy. He'd become a little intoxicated with his own power. And Samson thought he had so much of God, he could play with the enemy and he would be all right. But what amazed me about Samson was that he knew that every time he told Delilah something, he knew that she was going to try it. He knew that every time he told her, she was going to do what he had told her to do. But Samson just kept doing it. Have you ever been there? Well, you knew what this was doing was going to cost you something, but you did it anyway. Paul says, I do what I don't want to do. And what I don't want to do, I end up doing. But who shall deliver me from the body of this death? None other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the tactics of the enemy? He doesn't just want part of your friends. He wants all of you. He wants to destroy your life. It says in verse 16, And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. The Bible says she pressed him and she urged him daily. She vexed him. 
She came after him. She messed with him. She pushed on him. She taunted him. She tempted him until Samson felt like he was about to die. She kept tempting him and messing with him and talking in his ear until he felt there was no use in trying any longer. Until he felt like there was no use in going to church. She kept messing with him until he felt, oh why don't I just give in? Because if everybody else is doing it, you may as well join them. There's people, there's young people in here tonight. You've decided he's pressed against you that long. And he tempted you that long. And he poked you that long. And he tortured you that long that you felt I may as well just join them. But friends, I want to tell you in the day that he tempts you with the power of the Holy Ghost, you can't survive, you can't get help, and you can't keep going. Friends, can you see it? Can you see the tactic of the enemy? Can I tell you tonight, friends, it doesn't matter how many times the devil tempts you. You can always keep going. You can always stay strong. And you can always survive. Can I let you into a little secret tonight? While you're alive on this earth, the devil's temptations are never going to go away. I know I've maybe busted a few bubbles tonight. But friends, the devil's temptations are never going to go away. doesn't matter how many victories you get, friends. He's going to keep coming. Don't matter how many times you shout and you put your hands up as soon as you put them back down again. I want to tell you Monday morning he's going to be knocking at your door again. I know that maybe some of you have been told along the way if you shout long enough you'll conquer your flesh. Maybe you talk in tongues you'll get over that temptation. Maybe you sing a little louder you'll defeat that battle. But let me tell you friends when you get one temptation conquered the devil's already looking for another place that he can come in another area in your life. Friends, there's only one way you'll conquer this flesh, and it's through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, I die daily, every day. I've got to be crucified every day. I've got to lay my life on the altar every day. That's why Jesus said, if any man shall be my disciple, you know what he'll do? He'll deny himself. He'll take up his cross and he'll follow me. He says, if a corn of wheat fall into the ground, unless it die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it birtheth much fruit. Friends, I want to tell you there's power in the cross of Jesus Christ tonight. There is power, 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 wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. I've got to stay in the altar all the time. Why? Because I'm being pressed. I'm being urged. I'm constantly being vexed. A lot of people will tell you to just keep shouting. Just keep dancing up and down and you'll get over that temptation. But friends, that temptation's not going to go away. That your life, friends, until, friends, he will, the devil will just keep going. He will keep pestering you, friends, until your life is wrecked and your life is destroyed. Friends, it's a daily filling that we need. It's a daily anointing. That's why Paul said, be not drunk with wine in excess. Don't be drunk with all the things and all the calamities and all the bits and bobs of this world. Don't be too tied up in them. He says, don't be drunk. Don't be fooling about with all those things. But he says, be filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. Friends, we need to be filled every day. We need to be filled every day. We need to get to the altar of God every day. That's why every day you got to say, you know what, devil? I'm not about to give in. 
That's why every day you got to say, devil, I won't let go. That's why you got to say, devil, every day at that altar, I'm not going to throw in the towel today. Devil, I'm not about the friends. They give it all up. But friends, the Bible says she pressed him every day until Samson felt like he was going to die. Felt he, until he felt that there was no use in trying any longer. Felt like there was no use in going to church any longer. So he began to tell her, if you shave the seven, shave the locks of my head, I'll be stronger no longer, and I'll be weak like every other man. So that's exactly what happened. She put him asleep on her knees. She called for one of the Philistines. She shaved his head. She punched him in the stomach, and she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep, and he said, I'll go out like all the other times before, and I'll shake myself. Tries to dance around the enemy. Like he danced like week, last week. Tries to duck and dive. Like he did last Sunday, friends. Tries to sing. Like he did the week before, friends. Waves his arms. Like he's been waving his arms, friends. But the difference is there was no power in Samson's life. Because the source of his power had been compromised. He'd compromised his separation with the things of this world. He'd fraternized with the enemy. And it says he wished not the Lord had departed from him. He didn't know that the Lord had departed from him. He was just like every other man. There was a man that had a call and a purpose and an anointing upon his life. He was just friends like any other man. He knew once knew what it was to be in touch with God. He once knew this power and this anointing in his life. He once knew the power, friends, and he once knew what it was to talk with God. He once knew the, the power and the victory of God in his life. But now, he's just like everybody else. He's dressed like everybody else. He talks like everybody else. You see, his power was not in his hair. His power was in his separation to God. The power wasn't the issue of his hair. The power was the issue of the separation in his heart. No longer was he victorious. No longer was he the holy man. No longer was he the righteous and the redeemed and the overcomer. He's just an ordinary man. Samson said, I'll go out as I have time after time and shake myself free. But Samson couldn't fight like he used to fight. He couldn't overcome like he used to overcome. No, he was just like every other man. But it says the Philistines took him and put his eyes out and brought him down to Gaza and, bought, and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Now he's grinding at the Philistine mill. Now he's blinded, friends. Now he's without hope. Now he's without a future. Now he doesn't know his way out. Now he's grinding. Now he's a prisoner to sin. Now he's once, friends, a man of great liberty. Once a victor and overcomer in this life. But now he's grinding at the prison house of sin. Some of you here tonight, you're grinding at the devil's mill. The, de the Philistine mill was meant for the women's slaves. A total act of humiliation on, hu on Samson's part. And that's what the devil will do, friends. You're grinding through life. You're grinding through circumstances. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where to turn. You don't really know what your purpose is in life. You once had freedom and liberty. But now you're grinding in your heart. 
There's this grinding in your mind. You're grinding and you've lost your way. Going round and round in circles. Friends, sin's binding. Sin's blinding. And sin's grinding. The Bible says they begin to make sport out of Samson. Friends, I just want to show you the tactics of the enemy tonight. They make sport out of Samson. And the Bible says he goes out as he did before. He wished not the Lord had departed from him. He didn't know that he'd gone from his life. And it says they gathered together to rejoice. The enemies rejoiced. For they said, our God, our God, hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson, that we make sport of him. Commentators say that they would have made him dance and tell riddles like he did before. He used to dance around the enemy. He used to tell them riddles. He was a man that was strong in his mind. He was a man of great character. He was a nice man to be about, but now he's miserable, he's broken, and he's empty, and he can't dance like he used to dance. He can't defeat the enemy like he used to defeat the enemy in his life. They're making sport they're making a laughing stock of him. They're humiliating Samson because the ultimate goal of the enemy is to humiliate you in every part of your life. His goal is not to get you to mess up with some young girl or some young boy. His goal is to get you to forsake every one of your morals. His goal is not to get you to get mad at somebody. His ultimate goal is for you to get so bitter. And so twisted and so filled with hate that you can't function in your life any longer. His goal is not, friends, for you just to get to the party. His goal is to get you bound by drinking drugs and make you a prisoner and grind at the prison house of sin. His goal is always complete humiliation in your life. The Bible says they gouged out Samson's eyes. Now Samson's blind. He can't see a way out. He can't, friends, find a way out. He can't find us any source of hope. He's grinding at the Philistine mill. <clears throat> he's captive to the Philistines. He's weak. He's beggarly. He's powerless. He's just like everybody else. He's just an ordinary man. And there's someone tonight you're grinding. You once had purpose. You once had power. You once had meaning in your life. You once had vision. You once knew what this life was all about. You once had joy and peace in believing. You once had a passion for Christ. But now you're grinding. You're just like everyone else around you. Like them, you feel there's no way out. You're blind, you're weak, and you're beggarly. You're just an average Jew trying to eke your way through the living. Now I just want to preach tonight. I'm nearly finished. There's someone that needs a second chance. He said to God, one more time, one more time, will you avenge me of mine eyes? Samson is blind. His eyes are gone. He doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where he's going in this life. He's messed up. He's had failure. He's given himself to temptation. He's fallen. And he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. 
Here's a man that knows what it is to have been strong. Here's a man that knows what it is to slap temptation in the face. Here's a man that knows what it is to have the power of God working in his life. But now Samson's blind and he's messed up. There's nobody that seems to care. There's nobody in his mind that seems to understand. There's nobody that even knows where he is in his mind and in his heart. Samson's weak and he's like every other man. Now Samson, he's blind and he's out there. And he's fighting for his existence like everybody else. The enemy is making a mockery of him. He's blind. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what to do. Samson is blind. Friends, he maybe shouts, Hey, over here, I'm Samson. I'm the man that everybody used to fear. I'm the man that everybody used to respect. I'm the man, friends, that used to be everybody's friend. I'm the guy that used to be at youth meetings. I'm the guy that they used to ask to sing. I'm the guy that they used to ask to testify, to preach. Is there anybody out there that even cares? Samson's blind and he's grinding at the devil's mill and he doesn't know where to turn and he doesn't know where to go. Isn't it amazing, friends, that after a few mistakes that nobody wants anything to do with you? Everybody casts you off. Everybody turns their back on you. Samson finds himself alone and he doesn't know where he is. But there's a desire in Samson to get back to God. But Samson's so blind he doesn't know where to begin. But friends, it begins with Calvary because Christ gave us the victory over failures. Christ's blood abounds over past failures. Samson doesn't even know where to start. He has no idea even where the direction of the altar is. I've no idea where to go. I've made mistakes and I don't even know how to put my life back together. I've messed up and I don't even know what my first step is. Everybody says, just come. Everybody says, just get your life right with God. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what to do. I'm in too deep. I've gone too far. I'm too blind. I'm too bound. I don't even know if God will help me anymore. But friends, I want to tell you tonight, there's forgiveness with God. Friends, there is a man. He says, if somebody, if somebody just cared enough about me, if somebody just cared enough that they would get their hands dirty, if somebody cared enough that they didn't mind messing with somebody that's made so many mistakes in their life. Friends, I want to tell you there is somebody tonight and his name is Jesus. But it takes faith tonight. It takes faith in the person and the work of Calvary and Jesus Christ. It says in verse 26 that he was led by the hand by a little lad. It tells us in the Old Testament that even a little child shall lead them to salvation. Jesus said, if you haven't got faith as a little child, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Samson probably said to this little boy, but you don't understand the mistakes that I've made. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand, friends. I'm too embarrassed even to whisper it into your ear. You don't understand what I've done. Friends, you don't understand, little boy, the foolishness that I've done with my life. He probably said to the little boy, where am I? He said to the little boy, if you can just get me to the pillars, 
If you can just get me back to the pillars, friends. If you can just get me back, this is the place. Oh, this is the pillars. This is the place that I'm meant to be. Maybe he got down on his knees and he said, this is the place that I long for. This is the place that I remember. This is the place that I want to be, friends. Friends, if you've lost your spiritual sight, you need to get back to the altar of God. If you've lost your spiritual power, we need to get back to the altar. We need to get back to the pillars. We need to get back to the pillars. He said, if you could just get me back to the pillars, if you could just get me back to that place, yes, this is where I need to be. This is where I need to be. Yes, this is where I need to be, the pillars. If I could just get back here. Friends, we need to get back to the pillars. We need to get back to those things that we can lean upon. We need to get back to the altar of God. We need to get back to Calvary. We need to get back to the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. He put one hand on one pillar and he put one hand on the other. The type or the picture of a man or a church who's willing to embrace the cross and everything that it means once again in his life. You see the preaching of the cross. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish, but to us that are saved, it's the power of God unto salvation. You see, friends, the cross is where we find the power of God. The cross is where we find the Holy Spirit. That's where the blind are made to see. That's where the chains of addiction are broken, friends. That's where men and women are set free from the power of death and hell, the place where people get forgiveness. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's the cross, young men, young women, older men, older women. It's the cross that you long for. It's the cross that you desire. It's the cross that will mean everything in your life. It's the cross that will meet every need tonight. It's the cross. It's the cross. Samson called unto the Lord, avenge me one more time of mine two eyes. What a comfort it is to know that there's no sin, no situation, no grip, no addiction. You can cry out to God in true repentance. There's no situation tonight that God won't hear your cry and that he can't turn around if there's faith on our part. You see, the redeeming feature in Samson's life is that he was a mighty man of faith in a time of great doubt and great spiritual decline. You see, Samson, why was he in the hero's or the Hebrews book of faith, or the great chapter of faith? Was it because he of his great victories? Was it because of his great battles? Was it because of his great failures? No, it was because when he was at the bottom, he cried out to God, Lord, avenge me of mine eyes one more time. Samson failed God, but friends, because of Calvary, we can't be bound by failure. There's young men, there's young women, there's older men, there's older women in here tonight, and you've failed God. Friends, I want to tell you, we've all failed. There's not one person in this room that hasn't failed. I want to tell you, I failed this week, but I thank God. I said, Lord, I failed this week, but Lord, I have to preach, and I just want, Lord, I just want your presence. I want your word to go forth. Lord, Lord, don't, 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 don't take it out, friends. I said, I just, I want to preach your word. 
I want the young people of this church to hear what you'd have to say to them. Lord is speaking tonight and he's telling you there's one more time. There's always one more time with God. There's forgiveness at Calvary. Hebrews tells us if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to to cleanse us from our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus said to Peter, if someone trespass against thee, we're to forgive them 70 times 7. Friends, how much greater... Is the forgiveness of God in these lives. But I've failed God. Haven't we all? But listen, Peter failed Christ. But Christ said, I prayed that your faith won't fail in me. I prayed, friends, that you'll remember I'm a redeemer. I prayed that you'll remember I'm a deliverer. I prayed that you'll remember I'm a great and I'm a merciful Savior and that you remember a righteous man that we fall seven times he shall get back up again. Friends, God is merciful and God is gracious and there's help and there's hope. Friends, and there's redemption in Christ for he paid the penalty for your sin. Peter feared God, but when Christ called for the disciples, he said, go tell my disciples and Peter that I will meet them there. There's restoration through faith in God. Judges 16 and verse 22 tells us he was grinding in the prison house, but the hair on his head began to grow. The evidence of his separation began to grow again unto God. They began to reappear. He's rededicating. He's reconsecrating his life. He's grinding at that old mill. And he begins to pray again. Oh Lord, I've messed up. Oh Lord, I've fallen. Oh Lord, I pray, will you remember me? Oh Lord, I pray, will you strengthen me? Oh Lord, please avenge me of my eyes. Oh Lord, I want to be able to see again. Oh Lord, touch me one more time again. Oh Lord, I want to feel your power again. And it says the hair on his head began to grow. His hair begins to grow. He probably told that Philistine barber, don't you bother coming here again. And cutting my hair. He tells that Philistine barber. I've dedicated my life. Back unto God. And I know they probably laughed at him. I know they probably mocked him. You see they're going to mock you. It's not the greatest fear. My mates beside me are going to mock me. But friends I want to tell you. He says I know they'll mock you. I know they'll probably say you've messed up. I know they'll probably tell you, sure, it's too late for you. They'll probably tell you there's no hope. There's no way back. But friends, the devil's a liar. There's help and there's hope and there's time to repent and be saved tonight. He said, Lord, strengthen me one more time. Said to the young boy who was guiding me, take me to the pillars in the house in which the whole building leans. When he lifted up his heart in prayer to God, he braced himself. And with one last stand for God, one last stand against the world, one last stand, he prays, God, fill me one more time. God, touch me one more time. God, restore me one more time. And the Bible says his latter end was greater than that of his beginning. God heard his prayer. He restored his power. He restored his victory. He restored his joy. He restored his separation from the world. And God vindicated him, friends. There's a woman in the Bible. And Jesus said she went before an unjust judge every day. And she said, Lord, avenge me 
of my adversary. The Bible says he didn't regard her. Neither did he fear God. But the Bible says she just came back every day. Lord, will you avenge me? Lord, will you avenge me of mine adversary? She was a widow woman. She'd been taken advantage of. Sounds like she's been robbed. Everything she had had been taken from her. She said, avenge me of my adversary. Judge said, though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow woman troubleth me, I will avenge her less by her continual coming. She's going to weary me. She's wearing me out. And she's driving me crazy. I'm going to give her what she wants because she won't take no for an answer. I'm going to give her what she wants. He avenged her. But Jesus said, your heavenly father isn't like that. Jesus said, rather he will avenge his own elect speedily. But nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he ever find such faith like this woman's in all the earth? Will I find a people that won't quit praying? Will I find a church that won't quit standing for righteousness and holiness? Will I find a church that won't compromise with the world? A church that's still praying, Lord, we lost it all. Our enemy tricked us and he's robbed us. He stole our testimony. He stole our separation. He stole our power, our discipline, our zeal, our faithfulness. Lord, we lost it all. But Lord, I'm here. They get it back. Avenge me of mine adversary. I'm here. They get it back. He's the same, friends. You'll find God faithful even when you haven't been. You'll find he still is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never quit being good. God never quit being strong. God's never quit being victorious. We did, friends, but God's just calling us back in repentance. And if you'll come tonight, he'll find, you'll find he's the same. You'll find you have the same joy. You'll find he'll restore the same strength. You'll find he'll restore the same power, the same victory, the same testimony as you had before. You see, there's someone, I'm nearly finished, there's someone in here tonight And I know everybody's coming. They're looking a touch or a word from the Lord. But there's somebody here tonight. You need one more time from God. There's somebody here needs one more chance in this house tonight. There's somebody here and you need a second chance. Maybe a third chance. Maybe a fourth chance. I know as a church we're moving on to greater and better things. But friends, I don't want just 95% of us to go on. I don't want just 99 to be in heaven. I want the others that need a second chance. I want the others that need God to refill you. That need God to renew you. Someone who's allowed your circumstances to blind you. And you can't see clearly. I need a second chance. I don't know where you are tonight, but I want to open these altars tonight for someone who needs a second chance. Some young person that just needs one more chance to get up again. You know, Samson slew more in his death than he did in his life. 
with one more chance. He defeated every enemy that he had. Friends, I want to tell you there's power. There's power. There's wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus Christ. He can defeat every enemy, every voice, every battle, every addiction in your life tonight because he rose on the third day and he's victorious over the devil and every demon and every power of hell tonight. There's power in the cross. You've allowed circumstances to blind you and you can't see clearly. With one more chance, he became more successful than he ever had been before. There's one more chance with God tonight. There's one more chance to give your life to Jesus. There's one more chance It says, They that know their God shall be great and do great exploits for God. It's not over. The enemy's a liar. There's help and there's hope in Jesus Christ. There's one more chance you can succeed for God. You've known the anointing. You've known the power of God. You've known the presence of God. Friends, he didn't know that the end that the Lord had departed from him, but when he cried out one more time, one more time he knew where to come. One more time avenge me of mine eyes. He says he slew more in his death than he did in his life. I want to tell you there's one more chance. There's one more chance with God tonight. I know the night is over, but if there's somebody in this house that says, I just want to pray, I just want to spend some time at the altar. I just want to make sure everything's right between me and the Lord. I need another chance. I need another opportunity. God could meet you at this altar tonight. Listen, friends, he's not bound by anything. God could meet you at this altar. God could fill you, baptize you in the Holy Ghost, and your life could never be the same again. Maybe there's a young person in this house just needs a hand on their shoulder. Maybe there's a young person struggling, battling, doesn't know where to turn. Maybe an older person doesn't know where to turn, battling, the old enemy's got them. They just need a hand on their shoulder to keep going and keep believing God and keep trusting God and keep having the strength of God. You see, friends, we need to get back to the altar. We need to get back. I was just talking to Lid tonight. We just need, we've got all this equipment. We've got all the apparatus, but friends, he gave us two things. He says he gave us the sword of the Spirit, and he says praying always. We're to pray always. We're to pray and be filled and strengthened with the Holy Ghost. That's the only thing. He says to the disciples, can you stay awake for another hour? But they didn't stay awake, and that's why they fell asleep, because they wouldn't pray. And that's why they were weak and they were powerless. But friends, we need to waken up. We need to get to the altar of God. It's the only equipment that we have. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold. I need another chance. I need another opportunity. I need another chance, friends. God, would you meet me at this altar? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. He'll help you. He'll restore your joy. He'll help you, friends. Is there one tonight that wants to get right with God? Friends, there's restoration. There's help. There's forgiveness at Calvary. Calvary defeats it all. Is there one tonight? Friend, you need to get back to the altar. You need to call upon God. Lord, I know I've messed up. I know I've failed, but I'm trusting in your mercy that you will forgive me and that you will avenge me of mine adversary one more time. There's one more time with God tonight. Let us bow our heads.